essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, and located at 309 Exeter Road, here in London. And it's the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast, episode number 59, technically maybe number 60, but after last week's three-hour marathon, we did split uh, episode 58 into two parts. One was all Smash Wrestling, the other one was the everything else involving wrestling, and it was amazing that we got a whole hour and a half uh, almost of Smash Wrestling. So whether you're listening to this on any of the 14 outlets that we have, whether it's PodCoin, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, tune in. There's so many. Uh, I've got them all listed on our Facebook page. You can always find us anywhere and share it to all your friends on whatever format that they listen to it. You're going to be able to also connect to us, as I said, on our Facebook page. We're very interactive with everybody in the community, whether you're here in London or beyond. We've got fans all over the place, even from the States, joining us on the Facebook page, we celebrate wrestlers' birthdays, and we sometimes have watch-along parties with uh, old-school wrestling, and there's going to be a huge feature coming up in the coming weeks, and uh, it involves the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, plus I'm still going to be going back to talk to the first class of uh, the graduates and follow up on what they did in the last year since... They uh, made it big and made their debut in uh, Smash Wrestling. So once again, this is episode 59. We have a lot to talk about today because Chris Maloney and I were at the Northern Tournament and there's stuff with AEW, New Japan, and WD's having Super Showdown tomorrow night. 
Joining me again this week is Chris Maloney from the Sharpshooter Podcast. How are you tonight, Chris? I'm good. Uh, a little bit of exhaustion going on. It's been a busy couple of weeks of wrestling, but um, uh, all I mean, uh, in all fairness, it's been an, it's been good wrestling, uh, especially the Smash shows that we get to see up there in Toronto. So yeah, uh, looking forward to the podcast tonight. Yeah, it definitely can't go wrong. It's uh, been an amazing uh, period of time, and it's those who follow this podcast and also follow Smash Wrestling. There's a huge a lot of amount of wrestling coming up between now and the end of August with SummerSlam weekend. With that said, we did attend the uh, Northern Tournament this past weekend. It was two nights of Smash Wrestling on Saturday and Sunday, June 1st and June 2nd from the Franklin Horner Community Center. 16 matches plus, I believe, in total uh, that happened that night or over the two nights. And what did you think of the Franklin Horner Community Center? Well, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's established territory there for Smash Wrestling. But uh, to be honest, when I compare the venues to the London Music Hall or even the Phoenix there in Toronto, um, it's just not the same feel, you know. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, once the action was underway and stuff like that, people were enjoying themselves and were caught up in the moments. But um, I think Smash deserves better as far as their venues go. I mean, they, they strive and, and talk about how uh, some of these events are like the WrestleManias and stuff like that. And I know Super Showdown 7 is going to take place at a different venue. And I'm excited for that one. But as far as, uh, you know, doing the Northern Tournament, I'd like to see it take place at a different venue maybe next year. Yeah, um, that was my first time in the Franklin Horner Community Center. And um, I don't know, maybe it was because there was a lot of other stuff going on on Saturday night in the Toronto area including uh, Super Kicked was doing a show. There was a show in Kitchener. I'm not sure. Uh, no, it was Sunday that was Raptors. So there was a lot of things still going on, but the crowd seemed a little bit uh, smaller for uh, the Saturday show. And I was actually surprised of the Franklin Horn Community Center because it is sort of just a gym. And compared to the London Music Hall or even the Phoenix, it kind of felt like a step backwards, but I heard that the Phoenix isn't kind of available right now to, to all of the scheduling conflicts between what smash wants to do and what the Phoenix has already booked for the concerts. And so that's been uh, difficult uh, scheduling everything for Toronto. And thankfully during SummerSlam weekend, they have a different venue uh, as you just alluded to a moment ago, but, um, I did post a moment ago um, that we were doing this podcast and if anybody had questions and Alan Taylor popped up and had a question and asked how pretty were the lights uh, for the show? He obviously has a vested interest in knowing that needing feedback since he is the main person producing the show and having it video edited and presented for the fight network. So, to answer Alan's question, what did you uh, think of the lights for uh, Super Show? Uh, I mean, the Northern Tournament. So uh, I'll I'll give Smash credit on this, and and this goes throughout every single show I've gone to, including the Fanshawe College shows. Their presentation is amazing, and it's it's. I mean, to be fair, it's it's lights and and the old kind of dry ice smoke show type thing, but uh, they make it work. And when I say that, it's because 
when I go back and I look at the photos I've taken, some of them are absolutely amazing. You know, um, one of the guys that wasn't part of the Northern tournament, but I love taking shots of is Scotty O'Shea because he's got that green light going on. So if you catch taking a shot at the right time, um, you know, it ends up being a cool shot without any kind of filters. Um, same thing. I get this great shot of Ultimo Dragon on Saturday. Um, you know, uh, uh, Red Death, Daniel Garcia, um, when we're at um, Super Showdown 6 last year. Um, you know, it was a cool shot I got at him. Uh, Kevin Bennett as well. Like some of these guys, I know what to look for. Brent Banks is another one, the whole black and white feature. But um, I do give props for that. I mean, as far as the, you know, the whole audio video aspect of Smash Wrestling goes, they're top notch. And when I say top notch, I'm just like, way up there with ROH and New Japan and, and AEW for that matter. So not quite WWE, but, uh, you know, there's one WWE and we don't need a, a replica. So, um, you know, props to Smash and Alan Taylor for doing what they do. Yeah, we've had the uh, WWE production, which is top-notch for decades now. And at the same time, I think I mentioned before, they do still need freshening up, but they are the leaders in production value. But you mentioned how all the other companies, there are, somewhat on par smash wrestling is and i would totally agree with that because you wouldn't know exactly that they are an independent promotion uh due to their production values they are on par with a ring of honor and maybe even better than ring of honor uh for their presentation the lights uh, i think are really good the way they have them around and it's definitely needed for lighting the uh ring and what they do at the entrance is really good and gives each, each entrance a, their own character. Um, myself taking photos, I've actually been taking a lot more. I think for the Northern Tournament alone, over the two nights between video and uh, photo, there was almost 2,500 photos. And I know I just have to position myself to not get the burst uh, shots and have the lights affect it but that's all on me to position their present uh presentation on fight network is definitely uh top notch and very professional so definitely kudos for the fact that they're doing it with just the four lights on either uh all four corners pointing in they have just three cameras a hard camera and uh, two mobile cameras doing the whole show and you wouldn't know it's just that much production yeah i was gonna say the cool thing is as well is that um it doesn't really matter what kind of show you're at but um like when i'm taking photos all i'm using is the iphone that's it and i have an, like an iphone 8 and some of the shots are absolutely amazing you go on to instagram and i don't know her last name forgive me but um a girl named holly you see it pretty much every uh, smash show when you see the type of camera she has and the shots that you can get or uh, another gentleman, uh, Steve uh, from TSN, was at the show on, I, th I don't think he was there both nights, I think just the Sunday. Some of his shots were amazing as well. So, And that gives you a good idea as far as what, you know, iPhone versus, you know, close-up camera goes. But, I mean, some of, uh, some of people's iPhone shots, you'd, you'd swear to God, they were, like, taking professional cameras. So, uh, again, to reiterate what Sean's saying, just uh, amazing as far as the audiovisual goes, as far as Smash and any show you go to. So, once again, thank you, Alan, for all you do and the hard work that your crew puts into it.
Following the news that the former hottest free agent in pro wrestling, Kenny Omega, is joining AEW, London Comic Con can finally announce that the best belt machine is making his way to Southwest Ontario for London Comic Con 2019 this October. Omega will be available to meet fans, sign autographs, and host a special VIP video game tournament. More details and announcements are coming soon. Check out London Comic Con for more details. And we're going to uh, look in on the Northern Tournament with night number one, June 1st, Franklin Hurry Community Center. And that night was just the first round. We had eight matches, and those uh, winners were going to advance to day number two on June 2nd and battle it out to go to a fatal four-way elimination match in the main event. On the first night, we started off with Tyson Duke's factory student and graduate, in a way, Jim Strider, taking on the hugely popular upstart, because uh, he's somewhat new to the scene, Jason Kincaid. Uh, really good match. Strider had the hard-hitting uh, side of him, much like a Stan Hansen uh, replica or upstart uh, image to him, and Kincaid used a lot of his speed to uh, actually upset Strider and move on to the next round. What were your thoughts on the first match? Um, Kincaid is growing on me, I'll tell you that much. When I first saw him in the tag team um, here in, in London, I was like, okay, you know, it's uh, two guys that can do flips and everything else. But uh, the more, like I said, the, the more I see Kincaid, the more he's growing on me. Um, match between the two of these guys was was great because Strider is kind of a more ground guy. Um, you know, you said Stan Hansen, like I said, and I've said this before, he reminds me of Hangman Page um, from AEW. But um, surprised that Strider uh, didn't go over in this one. I mean, he'll, he'll get his due. He's still a young guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll expect to see a lot of good things from Kincaid. And this match was one of those. And he's tremendously gifted. And be interesting to see where they go with uh, Kincaid. Um, it's almost... Uh, one of those things I wouldn't mind smash adding another championship, and I know there's too many championships in wrestling, but almost like an intercontinental or X division type uh, championship to give these guys the ability to have that title, to work with the title, to feud with that title, and then maybe move up to the, the next level. And Kincaid's one of those guys I would put in kind of that uh, intercontinental division. Yeah, that would probably sort be, I guess, on the line of what uh, Barry Wrestling has with the uh, three pistols championship because they had their main title and probably the three pistols is their mid card uh, title. So if smash ever did think about doing so, that could be an option though. They are working on getting their third title in existence uh, in August. And we'll get touch on that in a little bit. Uh, next up was uh, Stu Grayson taking on uh Oh man, his name is Josh name? Briggs. Josh Briggs, that's right. He reminded me of one of the uh, Tough Enough winners, but it turns out it wasn't uh, him. Uh, another really hard hitting match between Briggs and uh, Grayson. And uh, they were definitely challenging each other uh, punch for punch. And Grayson ended up uh, going over and he advanced to the next round. Your thoughts on. Uh, that match between 
Briggs and Stu. Uh, I want to say Penny Grayson. again, but Stu Grayson. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's interesting to see a guy like Josh Briggs because he, he, the guy's ginormous. You know, uh, Stu Grayson, one of the most gifted athletes as far as Smash or any other promotion goes. Um, I mean, he's right up there with Matt Cross and. If you don't understand the, the theory behind the two of them, just go looking on YouTube for some of their videos as far as the tra uh, training regiments go. Um, surprise in this one, I figured first time I ever got to see Josh Briggs, he's got that kind of Drew McIntyre kind of look to him, you know, uh, just mean guy as well. Uh, but uh, the match was good. Surprise, Grayson went over. But, um, I mean, again, he's SSB. So, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, always going to be one, uh, one of my favorites. And uh, advancing in the tournament was a, a good thing. Yeah, um, then there was having Psycho Mike Rollins needing to go against somebody, and after he took out Pepper Parks, or The Blade, Smash Wrestling was looking for somebody to uh, step in and take on Psycho Mike, and up until last minute, they still hadn't found anybody, and Mike came out and issued an open challenge. We saw what happened when Mike ended up breaking the uh, space-time continuum and coming from uh, Japan back to London uh, to confront uh, the Blade. And instead of somebody coming out, of course, Mike Rollins' conscience decided to challenge Mike Rollins to a one-on-one, -on -one, if you want to call it one-on-one, -on -one, battle against each other. And that challenge was accepted. Mike is a genius, shall we say. Uh, and he battled himself punch for punch, put himself through a table, uh, avoided getting hit with a chair shot, nearly choked himself out with a sleeper hold. And uh, after going through the table, he was able to get the victory. And the conscience was just like, hey, we got these marks. They... Uh, believed everything we just put on and you get to advance to the next round of the tournament. Your thoughts on the fact that uh, we got to see Psycho Mike versus Psycho Mike. Well, it's, um, I mean, it's interesting because it's kind of one of those things I was thinking about. It could actually, it, it, he's the one guy who could do this and, and make it work. And obviously we've seen that. Um, I was just actually, while you're just talking there, Googling, um, who else has fought the Invisible Man, so to speak? And uh, Joey Janela is one of them, as well as uh, the Brian Kendricks. So I haven't seen the matches, but uh, Joey Janela, I, I, I'd assume, would be you know absolutely phenomenal. Mike Rollins, I'll continue to say until I'm blue in the face, is the most underrated guy on the Ontario Canadian independent wrestling scene. Um, he's one of those guys, and I think I mentioned this before, doesn't need a title to, to be over. Um, you know, he's uh, very down to earth and humble from what I've seen when he's doing the autograph signings and stuff like that. And um, I mean, his character is one of those things when I see Psycho Mike on one of the Smash shows, like it's automatically going to be, you know, worth the money right there. And, uh, you know, props to him for being able to pull this off because you think about the Smash Wrestling roster, or any roster for that matter, and, and how many guys can you think of that be able to pull that off and have the crowd behind the match? So, you know, props to Psycho Mike. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, he pre obviously pre-records his own voice doing the conscience. It's not having somebody up in the booth like with Alan or somebody uh, 
running the commentary back and forth and it's a different person. He's actually planned this whole thing out from start to finish. And just, as I said, he's totally amazing with how he puts it all together and then battling himself. Like we thought it was uh, pretty cool. Him tagging with himself against butcher and blade, but to do a whole match by yourself unbelievable yeah apparently there's there's youtube footage of batman versus the invisible man so oh, uh, interesting. i guess i guess uh mike rollins is going to be uh, a superhero at this point yeah uh we also saw evil uno take on anthony green uno came out with uh, two of his minions green uh yeah green came out with uh two of his uh lady friends i didn't catch what their names were so uh the sides were pretty even. Uh, at one point, the goons tried to get involved, and the girls came in and gave uh, double RKOs or diamond cutters to them. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't enough uh, between everybody, and Uno uh, scored the victory over Anthony Green, who has the retrosexual, um, somewhat like a... Uh, who am I thinking of? Think of Janella? No, Janella. Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan. Yes, he has somewhat of a Joey Ryan aspect to him, even a uh, uh, Ricky Wildly image, and so that seems to be a recurring theme uh, with a lot of guys lately. But it's getting over. He was definitely over. Uh, Anthony Green was, and it was a really good match. What do you think about the fact that Uno uh, advanced along with his Super Smash Brother tag team partner? See when that is, so I'm a mark for Uno. Um, and he's it's funny how a guy that that size and that out of shape can move in the ring, but uh, and it's the character that goes along with him as well. And anyways, um, when he when he went over, I was thinking to myself, okay, now they have both Super Smash Brothers in, uh, you know, to the to the next round. I'm thinking to myself, fingers crossed, maybe we'll get to see them in the same match together against each other. Um, you know, it'd be kind of cool. But it didn't play out that way, unfortunately. Spoiler alert. I'm not going to spoil anymore. But um, anyways, uh, I mean, SSB is better as a tag team. I mean, you know, f- you know, and it's interesting to see what AEW is going to do with these guys. But um, yeah, like I said, I love the Uno character. Anthony Green surprised me because I wasn't aware of the guy. But the gimmick's kind of cool. Um, you know, at one point he had um, he was in the ring and he had, uh, you know, uh, pants on. And he whips off the pants and flies them up in the air. And Uno's just kind of, kind of, you know, dazed and everything else. So... He's definitely got a, a gimmicky kind of character, but he's he's gifted as far as his uh, you know his uh, moves go as well, and uh, it doesn't uh, hurt with the eye candy that came along with him. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of uh, Anthony Green in the future. Maybe even look back on uh, YouTube and see what they have uh, with him and get to know who he actually had at ringside with them. Um, so that brings us to Mike Bailey against. Uh, John Greed, the leader of Disgraceland. He had Logan with him. Uh, so he had definitely contrast in styles here with the uh, karate and speed uh, factor with Speedball uh, Mike Bailey and the stronger style and sort of big man, uh, obviously, uh, style of John Greed. Match went back and forth pretty well, but in the end, Mike Bailey did uh, score the victory and advanced to the second round. Your thoughts? 
Um, I got to say this, uh, Logan's probably one of the creepiest looking bastards on the indie scene. Um, uh, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's all about the character though too. I mean, he's, he plays it up and you know, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't talk that much. He's kind of like that, uh, lurker in the background, so to speak, that, uh, just call you know, kind of follows John Greed around. Um, Greed, another one of those guys who's big, who it just amazes me with some of the moves he can do. Like here's a guy who can fly over the top rope from the ring to the outside. This match hit and miss as far as um, who I thought could win. I thought maybe Greed might go over, but Bailey did. And uh, Bailey, I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. And one, one of the points I'll make now is you don't realize in a two-day span when these guys are doing the high-flying uh, moves and all of a sudden they're in like three matches over the span of two days, I mean, the amount of cardio and endurance that's got to go with that is absolutely impressive. And Mike Bailey... Um, and definitely one of those guys that just kind of uh, dumbfounds me as far as his endurance in the ring. For sure. And to uh, know that, uh, well, we'll preview what happened later on in the show. But, yeah, everything that he did that weekend, and it's no wonder that he's impressed people when he's been here in London and they've wanted him to come back, whether it was his match with the Blade just a couple weeks ago here in London or his sort of London debut against Kevin Bennett, the fans are uh, really flocking to him and attracted to his uh, presentation and style. So we got Ultimo Dragon taking on the former Smash Wrestling champion, Matt Cross. These two went back and forth uh, really well, and I think they've battled each other before. Uh, I've seen a couple photos and they really gelled excellently together. In the end, Ultimo Dragon ended up advancing to the next round, so we were going to see him two days in a row at the Northern Tournament. I know you definitely look forward to seeing Ultimo Dragon from the moment he was first announced. Uh, a couple of people, including Trevor, asked me to get some uh, autographs of Dragon. I found a... 25th anniversary of his uh, career uh, book that he was selling. Got him to sign it. Really good price for 20 bucks. So definitely worth it. You got your picture taken with him in the ring uh, later on that day. What else can you add to that match? All right. So I'm going to correct you just a little bit here. Oh, sorry. Uh, number one, we had the pictures taken before the actual match. Um, so and, and one of the one of the things I'll reference um, is uh, so all of a sudden, Ultimo Dragons. I'm so I marked out the moment I found out about this, and I was like, you know, I'm going. That's it. I don't care if I'm going by myself. And anyways, he's one of those guys on my bucket list that I want to see. You know, as far as wrestling goes, and I, I got to see him. And, and like I said, I marked out. Uh, I bought the you know the autograph picture, the book, the mask, the in ring uh, shot with him. Um, one of the things was when he was getting in the ring to do the in-ring photos, um, he looked like he was in bad shape. And I'm talking like, you know, could barely move his legs. And Sean makes a comment. He's kind of like, man, I hope that's not uh, what we're going to see in the ring, you know, when he's in his match against Matt Cross. And, and even I'm watching him get out of the ring after the, the in-ring uh, uh, photos were done. And it's still the same way. And I'm like, man, this guy is... You know, and I didn't see him wrestle in the longest time, but uh, I know when back in the day he was tremendous shape. And, you know, the Asaya Moonsault is, is named after this guy. 
Um, so anyways, match comes up and he comes out and he's a little bit late with the entrance. And I'm thinking to myself, uh oh, you know, maybe he's his legs are still not working properly. Sure enough, he comes out, does all his uh, move sets in the ring with Matt Cross. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, <laughs> whatever that was in the ring, as far as the the photos go, it's not who he is in the ring as far as his matches go. And, and again, marked out the entire match. Um, you know, he's pinned uh, Matt Cross with the Mahastral Cradle. And, uh, you know, again, I'm like a, you know, a, a little kid watching one of my heroes in the ring. So, um, yeah, I, I couldn't get enough of Ultimo Dragon. Um, you know, it's just, it's, again, it's one of those guys you watch on TV 10, 15 years ago and it's like, holy crap. Or you watch his days in WCW and it's like, holy crap, this guy's live in front of me facing Matt Cross. So definitely, um, could be match of the year candidate for me. Um, but, um, amazing pairing. And, uh, yeah, as you far as you said, Sean, they have met before there was a picture that Matt Cross had posted of the two of them doing the head-to-head -head shot. And um, again, amazing chemistry between the two. And uh, glad Ultimo won. And uh, one of the nicest, most humble guys you probably meet. You know, he wasn't, uh, you know, his legend is tremendous. And as far as being interactive with the fans, as far as autographs or, um, you know, pictures, anything like that, he was just, he was there and he was there every time you looked intermissions or after the show or before the show. And it was coolest thing in the world walking into that building on Saturday and seeing him sitting there. And I was like, oh, all right, here we go. I'm going to be a little kid. So, mm -hmm, For sure. I, As you said, I was kind of worried about him. Uh, way he was uh, gingerly walking. And it was like, oh, I didn't know he was like 60 uh, type deal. But uh, he definitely was something like a uh, Festus in that uh, respect where came out really slow, but as soon as that bell rang, he was a totally different guy, and the ultimate dragon that everybody knows and respects and loves, so it's great that he was able to put on the show. He said, great being humble in the fact that also, somewhat like TJP uh, here in London, they didn't overprice themselves for their merchandise and uh, taking photos with people, because you know, being a star of their caliber they could have instantly charged a whole lot more than what they did for their fans to interact with them and they didn't and that uh, still was in the same price range of being with a tyson dukes or somebody and not feeling like you were with somebody the caliber of the rock uh, charging 50 dollars for a photo it was all reasonable price because it's still giving back to the fans yeah, I, I tell you this as far as TJP goes, um, he was, I mean, he was selling his merch pictures and, and shirts and stuff like that, but um, I had brought two items with me and he signed those for free. So it just tells goes to tell you what type of uh, individual he is. Yeah, some, sometimes there's people that are of the star caliber, like everything you need to sign. If you want, you bring your own stuff, you're still paying me 10 bucks or something like that to sign it. Or, you know, will you pay $30, you get a photo and something signed. But it definitely wasn't in that case, and both their merchandise was reasonably priced, comparable to any other star that was on that card. So then we move on to the second uh, last match of the night, which was Lufisto taking on Sebastian Suave, the only intergender match of the tournament, and these two really went hard at it, each other. Lufisto was looking really great. I spoke to her husband, and uh, he seemed to be confident that 
while she did announce that her retirement is intimate within the ending of this year, she's definitely scheduled herself to yeah, hang up the boots by December. She's also been seeing the doctor and getting positive results and uh, outcomes from her visits. Dropped some weight. She posted a couple of days ago before the tournament saying that she's feeling really good. So all those things combined could actually give us more Lufisto in, say, 2020 and not ending it in 2019. Now, she took on Sebastian Suave, and he had a lot to prove anyways because Anthony Kingdom James is still wanting to know, is he with Kingdom? Is he with the Pillars? He's totally two different people when he's with each group or person. And Kingdom wants him to be that ruthless killer that he knows he can be. And he confronted uh, Suave and then walked out on him. And they uh, had the match with uh, Lufisto and Sebastian. Sebastian ended up getting the victory and moved on to day number two of the tournament. With Kingdom as well, he wanted an answer on Sunday of what his decision was going to be pillars or kingdom and so we had that to look forward to especially now with Sebastian moving on to the second round and you could tell he was thrown off a bit by the confrontation with uh, kingdom because when he was being aggressive towards Lufisto he was yelling out do you see what I'm doing kingdom do you see it and so kingdom definitely got under his skin uh, before the match started your thoughts on that uh, match between Lufisto and Sebastian Suave. Uh, Suave sucks. I want my hashtag back. And I hope when Leonard's done winning his NBA championship, he rolls up Suave into a little ball and then slams him as hard as he possibly can. Um, this match, Lufisto, I want to see go on and, and win. And it didn't happen. And um, I, I understand where they're going with the Suave character. But, man, he's... He's the character alone. Now, Sebastian Suave as the individual human being, one of the greatest guys you probably ever meet. As far as his character goes, you want to jump in the ring and hit him with a chair. And uh, he, he does his best to get under every, you know, fan's skin. Um, I think the only other person I've ever seen in Smash Wrestling to do something like that is going to be uh, Kevin Bennett. Um, so they're, they're very comparable as far as the, the fan hate goes. But... Um, not a, a match was good, but not a fan of the outcome. So I'll leave it at that. I'd probably put O'Shea in there uh, with your top three if you're looking for uh, hateable people in uh, Smash Wrestling. Of course, yeah, I give you that. The, the guy blows snot on people in, in, in his matches. So, and with Suave advancing to the uh, second round, it gave sort of uh, interesting concept of what was going to happen the next night, and with that looming. Uh, threat of kingdom coming back to confront him and the final match of the night was Carter Mason against Tyson Dukes. Mason has been chasing Dukes wanting somewhat respect from Dukes, but he also wanted to go against one of the best and he got finally a chance to do that. And it was main eventing the first night of the tournament. These two guys went really hard toe to toe at each other. Mason uh, has more of the speed factor Tyson has the strength and obviously uh, experience behind him. And that experience did prevail over the uh, younger 
Carter Mason. Carter, uh, in defeat, still wants to be able to face uh, Tyson. Tyson gave Carter his props, but uh, so we'll see what happens later on down the road. Dukes advanced. He won last year's tournament, so there was still a chance for the winner of 2018 to be the winner of 2019. Your thoughts on that match? Yeah, it was very interesting post-match to see uh, Carter Mason get on the mic and all of a sudden kind of try to give props to Tyson, and then Tyson blew him off, which was um, kind of interesting to see. So uh, Sean had made a, a theory that maybe Carter Mason would play into night two. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's Tyson Dukes. You can't not not be a fan of this guy. Um, you know, just uh, he's old-school wrestling. And, you know, it's um, interesting to see him – you know, in the ring with guys like Carter Mason and stuff like that to kind of elevate them, to kind of, you know, bump them up as far as their uh, independent status goes or trying to put them on the map or whatever the case may be. Carter Mason, I think his, he's talented, but I think it's his gimmick that bothers me. It just, you know, it's you watch him in the ring, and it's just he's almost generic. And I hate saying that, but it's because I've seen guys like X-Pac, and it's because I've seen guys like Pac, you know, the former Neville. And I think Carter Mason, if he worked on his gimmick a little bit more, um, and, you know, stop doing so many knees, I think it'd be uh, a, a lot, you know, I think I'd be more of a fan of him. But, um, yeah, it was uh, interesting the way to close out the show, and it's uh, definitely made me look forward to night two. And we'll get to night two in just a moment. All right, it's the news that everyone's been talking about. Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Part 2, the second wave, is getting ready to go, along with thousands of the friends of Jericho and me sailing across the ocean to have the best vacation of a lifetime. I want to tell you right now, the hottest wrestling promotion in the world today, All Elite Wrestling, will be there. That's right, some of the greatest rock and roll bands in the world, some of the funniest comedians on the planet, paranormal experiences where you'll be wondering, is this really happening? Well, the answer is yes. It is really happening, and so is Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Part Two, Second Wave. Sign up for all the info for this all elite vacation now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. I want you on board Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, so we can all sail away, man. We'll see you there. Oh yeah! It's a path to the Hello. Do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. And we're back uh, with Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. We just reviewed night number one of the Northern Tournament from Smash Wrestling that happened June 1st at the Franklin Horry Community Center in Toronto, or Etobicoke, if you're old school, before Mega City Toronto happened. And we got Chris Maloney still with us, and we went on to night number two at the Franklin Horry Community Center with the winners from night one facing off to get to the finals. That was uh, a jam-packed afternoon. 
as there was a meet our friends event that was free beforehand. There was a tag team match with uh, there was a tag team match with the guys from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. And I unfortunately missed that because there was a huge car accident on 400 with a car that rolled over. And I also missed the uh, one turnoff at uh, Brown Line to get to the Franklin Horror Community Center in time. But I did end up seeing the Three Pistols Championship from Barry being defended against uh, Puff as the champion against Gabriel Forreza, part of Fight or Flight. They went all over. Went, even went to the barbecue and got a burger before coming back in. Really uh, much of a comedy match at the same time. Kevin Blackwood was around to uh, watch it happen because he obviously came traveling with Puff this weekend. And Puff ended up getting the victory to retain. Later on in the afternoon, Chris arrived and we were looking around seeing what was going on and saw some of the talent. And they finally decided to do the trivia where five fans got selected to go against five stars of uh, Smash Wrestling. It was myself, Chris, uh, Steve Chubbo, and two other gentlemen who were selected to take on the team of Carter Mason, Anthony Kingdom James, John Greed, and Halal Beefcake. And Dustin brought out the cards, which was a 2013 edition of WWE Trivia with three different categories, old school, modern era, and attitude era with three categories. And so we had to get five cards in total. And Chris, do you want to describe this uh, trivia? Do you want me to use one hashtag? We could. <laughs> okay, I will. Uh, I will put it like this for anybody who's been who followed that comment that I made uh, about a night ago on on Sean's uh, Scumbagus of Wrestling Facebook group. Hashtag was fuck Kevin Nash, and uh, the reason for it, we got beaten by the um, uh, the stars of Smash Wrestling because of Kevin Nash. Um, simply because of the fact it was, I think the question was sledgehammer on a pole match. What former friend of triple H's did he face? And we, as a group had picked Shawn Michaels and them going to old school. And I'm talking really old school with kingdom James and John greens, uh, John Greenson had some knowledge as well. They, uh, they could have picked Randy Orton, but they end up going with, uh, yeah, big, Kev uh, big, sexy Kevin Nash there and end up being the right answer. And we couldn't play catch up. And sure enough, they end up beating us, and uh, we got to, you know, kind of, uh, kind of razzed by Halal Beefcake. I think probably the most during the whole uh, trivia thing, but uh, it was fun. But uh, like I said, hashtag fuck Kevin Nash. Yeah, it didn't help that the uh, stars of uh, Smash Wrestling chose the easy way out with Superstar Bio, and it was the worst possible questions that could be asked. It was totally a give me on any of the answers and then when we had an opportunity to try and stump them and pick the hardest uh, category for them that kind of failed because the question that they got involved toronto's own tristratus and winning the title on her retirement night at a pay-per-view in toronto but this, How, let, me, let me ask you something does that honestly surprise you kingdom james going with the easy route Oh, of course not. And then John Greed and Hello I mean, Beefcake. Those four in itself. Like Mason actually just sat on the ropes and was uh, just 
decoration more so than a help. Yeah, I mean, what when, when has Kingdom ever put effort into anything as far as Smash Wrestling goes? I know, but he was also uh, recording for his uh, YouTube uh, channel. So we might end up on an episode of uh, his uh, podcast or his show that he's uh, currently doing. Hey, Kingdom, if you get any viewers, I want royalties, by the way. <laughs> That'd be fun. After that was done, we had to wait a little bit. I think uh, Muscle may have been using a leapfrog to try and uh, work work out how to sound out some words. Uh, and he was due to read everybody poops because the fans, including myself, ended up uh, voting that they wanted to see Muscle read a children's book uh, as part of this whole big weekend that Smash Wrestling was putting on. And I kind of questioned whether or not Muscle could even read for starters, and we may have had to get a child from the audience to read it for him. However, he did come out, he did read the book, got a little frustrated, he didn't uh, think that was his thing to do, he felt it was beneath him to read Everybody Poops, so he wanted to change up the book and pulled out a March 1985 Playboy magazine. Of course, in the ring was Scott Hunter, Scott was trying to get him to not read it, and then he figured out what date it was and asked him to look at the girl on page 38 and find out what the name was, and I believe it was Susan Hunter, and as soon as that got mentioned, Scott quickly grabbed the magazine and bolted out of the ring into the back, so I'm assuming Susan might be his mother, and uh, yeah, he didn't want that uh, exposed. Muscle ended up reading the rest of the book to finish off the night. Your thoughts on Everybody Poops? Um, interesting concept to, um, you know, to what they were doing, but um, hopefully it's a one-time thing. Um, again, <laughs> I love the reference you made to the leapfrog as far as the muscle goes, because, I mean, I could have easily, it would have played up the character even more. Um, the Scott Hunter thing was kind of uh, funny. I'm not sure where they're going with it. But um, I love the fact there's like a little probably six or seven year old kid sitting front row as muscles, first of all, reading everybody poops. And then secondly, um, you know, brings out the Playboy magazine. So um, uh, I think at one point, I, I, th I forget who it was, but it was part of that wrestling trivia and that same kid. And I think one of the members of Halal Beefcake had said something and they're like, oh, no, there's kids present. You can't say that. And right when they were saying that, the kid looked down like all of a sudden Santa Claus didn't exist anymore. But it was, um, it was, uh, you know, good times and, and definitely added to the element of, of the weekend. Um, it props to Smash for doing stuff like this because it's a, you know, it, besides the wrestling, it's a little more a bit of the fan experience that, you know, some of the other wrestling promotions may not do. Um, but uh, anyways, it makes for the entire weekend experience, and uh, you know, props. To them for coming up with unique ideas and i tell you muscle reading everybody poops is definitely a unique idea so my name is the muscle smash wrestling's hottest free agent i toss bodies and wheel hotties and you're listening to the scumbags of wrestling podcast excuse me sorry uh that's something got in my throat we're back 
Um, yeah, so muscle reading everybody poops was a highlight, I would say, of the weekend. And then we uh, made it into night number two of the Northern Tournament. Unfortunately, even asking Dustin, Alan, or Scott Hunter, nobody was willing to give us a indication of what the four matches were going to be in the second round. And so we tried to guess it. And unfortunately, my final four, which was going to be Grayson, Kincaid, Tyson, and Sebastian, all went against each other in the first two matches. So we were entirely out on a limb on what was going to happen. But night number two did start off with Kincaid against uh, Stu Grayson. And Kincaid ended up getting the victory. These two really work well together. Their styles, their size, just everything about them. Top-notch with almost mere image of each other even though there's a, probably a lot of age and experience between them. What did you think of that match? Yeah, I definitely have to agree with regards to uh, their styles go. Um, I'm curious, though, you say the difference in ages between them, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to see if I can bring it up. So, <laughs> sorry, I brought up uh, Stu Grayson on, on Google, and apparently at one point his, his name used to be Stupefied, and then obviously Player Dos, but um, January 25th, 1989 is his birthday. So that would make uh, he's not that old. No, uh, what thirty? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So Stu Grayson is thirty, according to Google. Uh, Jason Kincaid. No, this is something. He was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, We're considering. I would take him more as being Scottish than. Yeah. So former oh. NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion, and as far as age goes. Um, apparently he's a zombie. He's not listed <laughs> as far as age goes. I'm going to keep trying to look that up. Uh, okay. Twitter won't have it. Fandom. Hold on. I'm going to check one more thing just to see. Holy crap. You should see what it looks like with hair. Holy crap. Yeah, because he seems to have just hair on the sides, and he's tattooed the top of his head with, like, flames. Almost. No, no. If you, go to, if you go to prowrestling.fandom.com, he's got hair, like, Almost like Robbie um, McAllister used to have. It just it's um, same sort of beard, same sort of hair up top, but he's got it braided on the sides. Kind of unique look. Um, May eighth, May eighth, but it doesn't say anything. He began his professional wrestling career in two thousand three. Maybe he's older than friggin' um, uh, Stu Grayson. Hmm. I'm gonna keep looking if you, if you want to continue. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Definitely looks are deceiving, and so these two went at each other, and Kincaid got the uh, victory over Grayson, and he advanced to the uh, Fatal 4-Way, and we then ended up seeing Tyson Dukes taking on Sebastian Suave. So we had two of the pillars going against each other, and this is somewhat what uh, Kingdom has been wanting to see. What would Sebastian do when he's actually against one of his own pillar uh, teammates, and would it be the Sebastian Suave that he loves and knows, or would it be the pillar version of Sebastian Suave? And it definitely was closer to the uh, 
ruthless Kingdom James uh, style of Sebastian Suave that went against his pillar uh, partner in Tyson Dukes. But at the same time, whenever the pillars go against each other, they love going all out and throwing down and having that competition. It doesn't matter their friendship or not and their uh, alignment with being a pillar. They hit hard each and every time. We've seen it when Tyson goes against Tarek, when Tarek went against Brent. We definitely saw it when Brent and uh, Tarek and Sebastian went at each other and they had that blood feud, literally blood feud against each other while they were still pillars. And the alignment just does not matter. These two went hard at each other and Sebastian never tapped out to the Boston Crab that Tyson had. But it ended when Tyson actually went for a uh, knuckle lock and did the Boston Crab as a combination where Sebastian couldn't even use any limbs to crawl towards the ropes to get released. And it was too much for him. He ended up submitting. It kind of surprised me because with everything going on with Kingdom, I thought it would be a perfect opportunity for him to advance to the finals, maybe even win it. And that would put him theoretically against Tarek uh, down the road, even at uh, potentially uh, Super Showdown 7 in August. And that didn't happen. So Tyson ends up advancing to the Fatal 4-Way. He left. Kingdom came down. He actually apologized to, well, actually before that, he got in the ring and tried to uh, get Sebastian up. And Sebastian wanted nothing to do with Kingdom at that moment and even uh, punched Kingdom. And that's when uh, security got in there and tried to separate them. Kingdom said, it's okay. Get your hands off us. I just want to talk and apologize. And he felt that he was responsible for Sebastian losing because he wasn't by Sebastian's side to give him that extra moral support. And in the case of Kingdom, the extra advantage of cheating and distracting the referee for Sebastian to get that victory in advance. And he apologized and finally decided he's not going to get in between Sebastian and the pillars, but he just wants Sebastian to be that same ruthless guy that he is with him when he is with the pillars and not be two different people. And they sort of agreed. And as we know, winners get hugs. So instead of a handshake, they hugged it out. And then they looked around and wondered, why did we allow this these security guys to touch us? And all hell broke loose. Sebastian and Kingdom just totally annihilated the guys doing security. And then they hugged again and left together. And so we have Kingdom and Sebastian on even ground. They're strong again. We'll have to see how Sebastian is with this attitude and incorporating it with the pillars in the future. But yeah, what are your thoughts on the match of Tyson and Sebastian? And then obviously the post-match melee and reunion of Kingdom and Sebastian. Uh, I'll get to that in a sec. First, I've got some more information on Jason Kincaid. So... 
Uh, and this makes more sense, actually. So his birthplace is Fayette County, West Virginia. So that makes a lot more sense because um, he doesn't look like anybody from Hawaii. Um, so Indian rain experience is 16 years, like I said, 2003. And he is um, 34 years old. Oh, well, so actually, he's uh, actually older? He's actually older than Stu Grayson. Wow. Totally somebody, yeah, turned up. Yeah, so I, this is a, a theory right here. Never to trust Wikipedia all the time. But this is cagematch.net. And I'll just read this comment and I'll go on to the Sebastian stuff. But anyway, somebody back in 2017 says his nickname says it all. This, uh, the technical wizard. Agile, cunning, and charismatic to a fault. Kincaid is a gifted performer who could steal the show every night. Definitely have to agree with that statement. Um, as far as Tyson versus Sebastian goes, like I said, this is one of these reasons why you hate or can hate Sebastian in the ring is because he knows how to play out that character so well. Um, him versus Tyson, very two technically sound um, gifted athletes, uh, you know, but uh, again, Tyson wins the match with a move I had never seen done before. And, uh, you know, Boston Crab with knuckles locked and everything else. And it was kind of cool because it kind of looked like almost like Tyson was swinging Sebastian, but also in the, you know, the Boston Crab as well. So Sebastian didn't have the ability to tap out. He could move his legs, could move his arms. So he had to shout to the referee, that's it, I give up, you know. And then um, post-match was um, interesting because, you know, Kingdom comes out and all of a sudden I expect Kingdom to turn on Sebastian and be like, okay, well, here's your opportunity to, you know, say you're sorry and make up. And, now you know, now that you're sorry, uh, you know, hey, let's go in for a hug. And I, I pictured, you know, uh, Kingdom clotheslining him or punching him or kicking the crap out of him and, and setting up a match between the two at Super Showdown 7. And that didn't take place. Instead, they they hug it out. And the next thing you know, they beat up security, um, you know, a you know, a.k.a. the uh, Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory guys. Uh, the power bomb that Kingdom gave to, and I want to say Jordan James, is that right? Yeah, it was Jordan James. Was probably one of the most loudest thuds I heard in the, in the two days of wrestling that we saw at the Franklin Hornet Community Center. But, um, I mean, Kingdom's, I mean, he's old school, so he's, he, you know, He's going to give it to you as far as, and it's probably as far as the students go too. just, you know, just to be like, hey, this is your rookie year, so to speak. So we're going to make sure you want to be a wrestler. Um, I, and maybe he wasn't, uh, maybe he didn't mean to hit the power bomb that hard, but whatever the case may be, like I said, it's probably the loudest thud I heard, uh, you know, in the weekend. But um, interesting to see where they go from here. I mean, I, I like Sebastian with Kingdom as far as the characters go, I, I think. It's old school kind of Bobby Heenan with any one of the Heenan family members. Um, you know, the, the two play off each other quite well. Um, it's entertaining as a fan to go to a show and see the two of them together. Um, and I'll, I'll say this on the show, I'm more of a fan of Kingdom and Sebastian than I am the Pillars. So, and that's not a, not a knock against the Pillars. I'm just, as far as wrestling entertainments, you know, goes, I'd rather see Sebastian with Kingdom than Sebastian with the Pillars. So. Anyways, good match, surprising results, and your uh, your predictions are about as bad with this show as they are with WWE pay-per-views. Yeah, I think logically, and my logic just doesn't seem to pan out. So only two of my four final four advanced being uh, Kincaid and Tyson. And so the other matches were just like, okay, who's going to match up on that? And we had actually Speedball Mike Bailey taking on Psycho Mike Rollins. The conscience uh, did talk and 
laughed about the fact that he ended up advancing without really having to go through too much, even though he did beat himself up pretty good. And uh, so one way or another, there was going to be a Mike that uh, won this match. And in this case, it was Speedball Mike Bailey who got the victory. And after uh, the loss, uh, the conscience did cheer up uh, Mike Rollins before he left. But uh, Mike Bailey, really good uh, match between these two and is advancing to the final four. Your thoughts on the uh, Battle of the Mikes? It was nice to see Mike uh, have an opponent, um, (laughs) you know, outside of his conscience. So we saw him at the Music Hall, and it was him and his conscience against uh, Blade and Butcher. And then it was Blade and Butcher, or or that tag team match. Yeah, okay. And then him against himself, and now all of a sudden he actually has a real opponent in the ring. So, anyways, it's it's fun to watch the matches. It's also fun for me as a Smash Wrestling fan to listen to the crowd sometimes. Um, uh, Toronto, for example, it was uh, it's like, let's go, Mike, let's go, Mike. And all of a sudden they'll be like, oh, which one? You know, and it's uh, moments like that that make it fun. Uh, the London crowd's uh, very good as well. Trevor, um, you know, from the, the wrestling nerds. And then you have, I, I don't know if the guy's name, but the, the big guy there with the, the long beard um, that tends to smash wrestling shows. What, what's that? His name is Jux. Jux? Yes. <laughs> Interesting name. Uh, but, um, uh, okay, well, Jux, I'll give you props as far as making the Smash Wrestling show even better than it actually is because of the fact I've been to Fanshaw shows, he's been there. I've been to London Music Hall shows, he's been there. And some of the comments, he just, call, you know, it's like, holy crap, did he actually just say that? And I, he's had moments um, where all of a sudden the, the Fan, so not the fans, but the wrestlers in the ring will stop for a second and be like, "Holy crap, did he just say that?" You know. Um, but uh, yeah. fan, fan, sorry, fan interaction in Toronto for the Mike versus Mike match was great too. Um, again, Psycho Mike's one of those guys you don't have to put the title on for him to be popular. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he ever gets a singles run. But um, um, after watching Bailey's first match and now this match, it's interesting to see where they're going to go with uh, you know Mike Bailey. Um, speedball, but uh, if if anybody at all could hit that next tier, and I'm talking like you know professional TV level, Mike Bailey is definitely one of those guys. Uh, definitely one of my top five guys I could see easily on TV in, in the near future. Yeah, and the uh, tournament second round ended with Evil Uno taking on Ultimo Dragon. I believe these two also have gone against each other in the past because I think I uh, was looking back on some photos of Uno the other day and noticed that they were in the ring together. Another hard-hitting match. We had uh, the goons out there, uh, whatever they're called, on behalf of uh, Uno. And, yeah, these Uno still flying all over the place, even though the weight difference in body structure compared to what you would imagine somebody who flies around the ring. Uh, The ref went down. The goons were involved. Uno ends up blow-blowing Dragon, but the ref didn't see that. As the ref comes uh, back around, Dragon ends up uh, trying to even the odds and didn't notice the ref was watching. He uh, hits Uno with a low blow and gets disqualified, sending Evil Uno to the final uh, as part of the uh, elimination four-way match. 
your thoughts on uh, this match between the two different styles and sizes, but not really different in ability. Yeah, this is where I decided to say, you know what, screw you, Evil Luno. Um, it's interesting to see how Dragon was played out of this tournament. Um, I don't know. It's 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 hard for me sometimes to wrestle because I'm, I'm biased sometimes. It's like it's like watching a sports event. I'm going to go for a certain team or I'm going to go for a certain wrestler because I'm a fan of them. I would love to see Ultimate Dragon in the finals, uh, especially in, in the ring with a guy like Tyson Dukes. I mean, wh- whether or not it was you know, four-way or, um, you know, singles but um anyways you know uno is one of the regulars and and maybe dragon had signed on to maybe only do two matches or whatever the case may be or maybe as you said he, you said he's like what 60 years old eh i have no idea what he is but he was just moving like a 60 year old uh the day before all right but, so but anyways um like i said i've got bias um oh wow <laughs> i thought his birthday was uh 1987. His debut date was 1987. Uh, Dragon, okay, you say 60. It's uh, not quite close, but he's uh, 52. Okay. He's born in 1966. But this is a wrestler's body, by the way. So I'm 52 years old. It's wrestlers, you know, it, it's almost like a 72-year-old man walking around sometimes. So anyways, long story short, I would have loved to see him in the, in the main event, but it didn't happen. So props to Uno. And again, Uno's one of those guys, character-wise, where he's got his, uh, you know, his mini Unos or, or you know, wh- whatever you want to call them with him. Uh, gives that element. Uh, I love managers in wrestling, and I'll just leave it at that. So, yeah, and it's sort of a little bit reversed because he is sort of the manager with the extra uh, people there, you know, because they're not really managing him; he's managing them as sort of, I guess in a way, how Ted DiBiase had Virgil. That uh, moved us on to, I thought, the intermission, but it wasn't the intermission, and we had uh, Jody Threat come out uh, for her match, and she was going against Lufisto, who stayed around for the uh, second day of the uh, whole event, and you could tell that Jody was enamored by the fact that she gets to go one-on-one with Lufisto, and these two battled almost as hard and tough as when we saw Lufisto take on Jordan Grace. Uh, just the bold nature of these two women. Uh, they battle like heavyweights uh, in the strong style of not holding back on each other. They're not really flying around. And you have your bigger person against each other. And in the end, Lufisto did uh, pick up the victory. After the fact, you know, obviously Jody was so happy to be able to go against Lufisto and uh, honored that they ended up raising each other's hand, hugging, and just really happy that they had a great match against each other. Uh, we're going to see some more of Lufisto uh, as the year continues uh, during the summertime in August, but it was great to see uh, Lufisto two nights in a row, and I haven't seen Jody in a couple of uh, months either. So seeing her in the ring was pretty cool too. Your thoughts on the uh, women's match? Yeah, I'll give a couple of thoughts here. So, um, uh, number of female wrestlers are you know top five, top ten for me. Lufisto definitely one of them. Um, the match 
even between uh, you know uh, Lufisto and <laughs> the girl, the red hair, Jody Threat. Thank you. I was going. I was going to another uh, match, and and anyways, but uh, so anyways, uh, the match I was going to reference this to was Gail Kim and um, Tessa Blanchard taking place. Uh, I think it was a Bound for Glory for Impact. Is that what it was? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Or was it? It wasn't Slammiversary, was it? No. It might have been Slammiversary. Either way, when Tessa fought Gail, and it was a hard hitting match. In the very end of the match, you see the two. Uh, you know, you see Tessa comes up and, and shake Gail's hand and then hug her and then she just loses it, um, you know, because she got to wrestle a great match against one of the legends in the business. And and Tessa kind of, you know, broke character and, in, in, you know, reacting to the match. And same sort of thing here with Lufisto and, and Jody Threat was the fact is you had Lufisto, who's been established star for, for, you know, probably the better part of 20 years now. And I mean, it's one of those things where she loves a hardcore match. She loves a tough match, you know. And I think the harder that Jody gave it to her, the more Lefisto was kind of entertained with it. And if there's anybody on the on the Ontario independent scene right now that can hard hit with like, like somebody like Lefisto, definitely Jordan uh, Jody Threat is one of those people that uh, you know probably top of your list. Um, I'll never I remember being at the. Uh, right at intermission there and everybody's out signing autographs and somebody was talking to Jody Threat and Jody was so honored and privileged to be part of that match and saying how much Lufisto had done for the Canadian independent wrestling scene as far as women went and how it was an honor to be able to fight Lufisto in the ring so um, definitely interesting to see how many of these females in Canada um, idolize the you know Lufisto is almost the the grandmother, so to speak, of Canadian independent wrestling, and uh, you know it's it sucks the retirement thing that's going on. And I hope she stays, and I think Sean, you would talk to her husband, and her husband was trying to convince her to, to stay a little bit longer. I know health wise, she seems to be getting better. I didn't notice anything as far as her in ring skills uh, that you know that were uh, a second step or third step or anything like that. So I hope she sticks around for a while because she's a lovable character and she's so tiny when you, when you meet her i think she's probably what like five feet five one five two whatever the case may be yeah and but she she acts like a giant in the ring it's um i, I can't say enough good things about lefisto as far as a human being goes and as far as a performer goes and uh, it's also interesting to watch one of her matches and to see her husband uh you know shouting from uh you know the, the stands from the fans uh you know just uh hey do this do that you know what i mean and and <laughs> lefisto it will you know kind of look at her husband as he's saying some of this stuff, but I mean, she's focused in the ring, obviously, but uh, good for him for supporting her and uh, hopefully he can pull her through to 2020, 2021, you know, all the way through 2030. So hopefully she sticks around for a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely impressive. And I got to, I've mentioned before driver during Comic-Con. So uh, really down to earth uh, lady. And I enjoy seeing her uh, more so now that uh, she's been active with uh, Smash Wrestling. So that took us to intermission. And back from intermission, we ended up with the tag team titles on the line. Halal Beefcake defending against a team out of Detroit called Lotus. And uh, your thoughts on that match as Halal Beefcake retained their tag team titles. It's interesting to see new guys on the Smash Wrestling scene, and Lotus was one of those 
tag teams that were. Um, and that that being said, I'd love to see these guys back. Um, there was a team, and I think might have actually been the CZ, uh, CZW show, uh, but there was a team that they had up. Um, I don't think it was against Halal, but um, a team very similar to Lotus uh, that they had. And uh, it was one of those things I wish they had come back because the amount of talent on the tag team scene as far as Canadian independent wrestling goes or as far as the Detroit scene goes or even Buffalo for that matter, you could see tag team wrestling being huge as far as uh, you know uh, Canadian independent wrestling goes, as, as far as Ontario goes anyway. So Lotus impressed me, the look of them, the uh, you know the moves that they performed, the fact that they were a tag team. I mean, they had matching tights and everything else. It's I'm old school wrestling, so which means when I see a tag team, I want them to match, you know, the Hart Foundation, the British Bulldogs, the Killer Bees even. Um, DX was probably one of those teams, uh, you know, uh, the New Age Outlaws that worked together that, you know, made themselves become a tag team. And it was good to see. Um, Al Snow and Steve Blackman were another one, uh, kind of fortunately, unfortunately. But um, Lotus impressed me. Halal went over in this match. But um, Halal's one of those gimmicks I'm going to be probably sad when they, you know, they either retire or they leave, um, you know, to another promotion. And I mean, you know, SSB made their debut at the second uh, show of AEW. Who's to say Halal Beefcake doesn't end up there, you know, as well, um, based on the fact they've already had, uh, you know, uh, a kind of television exposure as far as, uh, you know, Scott Demore and Impact Wrestling goes. So, um, the only thing I can say about teams like Halal Beefcake is enjoy them while they're here, um, you know, and uh, especially because of the fact that it's not just a gimmick, but it's a wrestling ability. And I don't know if you can top this, Sean, but I've never seen a guy fly from rope to rope like Idris uh, Abraham. I mean, the guy is like, it's like the roadrunner watching him in the ring there. Yeah, it might be have uh, something to do with the hair, able to let him uh, fly better do you think the hair is the hair is a, a superpower? Nice, yeah, get some uh, nice wing current to carry them. But yeah, they uh, work really well together, and they have uh, good chemistry as far as wrestling goes. But they also work good uh, with their vocal and comedic side of uh, things with Halal Beefcake because it's hard to take them seriously with their gimmick, but. Definitely a tag team to be on the lookout for. Uh, you said you've seen them on Impact, and there's nothing holding them back, really. Uh, okay, anything I'm can gonna, happen. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here for a sec because you're more of a Smash. I wouldn't say more of a Smash wrestling fan, but you're more of a Smash wrestling kind of um, hardcore, going back more years than me. Have you ever seen a tag team as far as Smash wrestling goes with more chemistry than these two? Uh, other than uh, probably well machines, no. Yeah, and that, and that's saying something right there. So, um, I mean, I don't know. I think the sky is the limit for for these guys. Um, I, it's you could you could easily watch these guys on TV every single week. Yeah. So no sooner did they leave, the leader of the Kevin Bennett experience, Kevin Bennett, came out to confront Chaclair and have a wrap-off. Uh, there was a couple other extra uh, experienced members that uh, joined Halal Beefcake at ringside, and we had Chaclair against Kevin Bennett doing a wrap-off. Uh, there was some uh, really harsh uh, throwdowns. Uh, 
said between the two of them, it was just like, wow, you just went there. Uh, which led into the uh, championship match with Tarek. But your thoughts on the uh, wrap-off before we talk about the championship match? Um, it was what it was. It was, um, I don't know, it was, it, I don't know, it's, um, I would I would rather have seen Smash Wrestling do without it. Um, I understand the whole big, hey, let's get Chuck later on the, you know, on the show type thing. Um, but um, to me, as a, as a wrestling fan, it, it wasn't needed. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, like I can be honest and say I'm not really a knowledgeable person on Chuckler. I'm like, okay, who are you? Obviously, you're a rap star from uh, Toronto area. Uh, however, it did uh, match up with the fact that Kevin Bennett is a real-life producer and rapper uh, when he's not doing the uh, wrestling gig. So having that a little bit kind of spotlights uh, Kevin's ability beyond the ring. And uh, so if anything, that was the only bonus that I personally felt as well involving that. And that led to uh, the championship match of Tarek against Kevin Bennett. Uh, Bennett, for the longest time, has been just on the cusp of winning that championship. Unfortunately, uh, in January, they hit that black ice. And they had that big car accident. So Bennett's chance at the championship got derailed uh, a bit at that time because he was scheduled to have a championship match against Tarek coming up in January. And so that didn't happen. He didn't uh, take as long to heal as uh, people like Blackwood and Garcia, but he kind of slipped back a bit from being in the uh, title hunt but each time that he had uh, shown up, he was very close to winning. And this was uh, going to be the do-or-die moment for him in this match. They, yeah, work really well together, hard-hitting, flying all over the place. Uh, unfortunately, in the end, the ref was down. The members of the Kevin Bennett experience that uh, just rushed the ring, uh, mostly from... Uh, Empire State Wrestling. They really had a lot of uh, people in contingency uh, representing themselves, and that's where he's based out of in Buffalo. Uh, they attacked uh, Tarek, and I have an awesome picture, actually, of them beating down Tarek, and in the uh, bottom left-hand corner of the ring, you see Bennett sliding out, and just with the really shit-eating grin look on his face like, yeah, look at this, it's happening, and I'm not involved with it. Uh, They beat down Tarek. The referee got into the ring in time for the guys to get out. Bennett crawled over top of uh, Tarek, got the uh, three count, new Smash Wrestling champion. His boys got back into the ring, of course, with uh, Halal Beefcake, and all three of them have the championships of Smash Wrestling. And they lifted Bennett onto their shoulders. Ah. Well, it's okay. You can keep talking. I was just going to okay. throw some hype in there. <laughs> that was just weird. Okay. So, anyways, the three members of uh, Kevin Bennett Experience got it, were together, lifted uh, Bennett onto it, their shoulders. 
and paraded him around the ring and through the ring and around ringside. And uh, yeah, he got his moment in the sun, new champion, and they left in time to go to the main event, which was the uh, fatal four-way elimination. Your thoughts on the championship match and Kevin Bennett as the new Smash Wrestling champion. Okay, so I need about 15 seconds for a promo right now. All right, so the best part about Kevin Bennett's theme song is the fact is the I do it by myself, <laughs> which was uh, kind of uh, the opposite of uh, what took place here. Um, you're right about the styles between the two, Tarek versus Kevin Bennett. I could pretty much watch uh, pretty much every week of the year. Um, Tarek, I mean, here's a guy who loves his craft and he owns his craft and he knows what he's doing in that ring. And I mean, he protects the guy he's working with, but when he hits some of these shots, it's like, holy crap, you know, it's, um, you have to, you have to kind of second guess whether or not you're watching a wrestling match or a real life fight. Kevin Bennett's one of those guys that capitalizes on every single opportunity he gets in the ring. And, you know, if he has to use outside help and maybe one or two guys, whatever the case may be, like Halal Beefcake or, you know, the, the Empire State guy, the, the one guy with the, uh, the, steps in his hair and the the mullet going on <laughs> whatever the case may be but um he, he knows how to take advantage of a situation he also is very gifted in the ring and if you watch any of kevin bennett's matches where he gets to perform his moves um one of his moves is called uh it's not it's he it's a 619 type into a splash and there's a name for it and it's i think it's the area code of buffalo is what his name is for it so it's not the 619 but it'd be the area code of buffalo Whatever the case is, Kevin Bennett's one of those guys that I have loved watching since probably the first time I was ever introduced to Smash Wrestling. Um, I've had the honor to interview the guy. Uh, Tyson Dukes has endorsed the guy. Uh, Sebastian Suave, you know. Um, but anyways, it's I hope this guy is one of the biggest stars in wrestling in the next 10 years. And I think he's got that passion for it. And I think you're right about the fact that he was probably due for the championship before this. And to take it off a guy like Tarek, it's interesting because I think anything at all, if you're friends with uh, you know Tarek on Facebook or social media, whatever the case may be, he's not going to go down like this. He's going to come back stronger than ever. And Tarek's one of those guys that you can throw 50 guys at him and he's still going to come back the Superman style, you know, and just basically kick your ass. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. I think... I'd love to see a feud between the two guys. So Kevin Bennett and Tarek happen. And, um, you know, when the feud's done and over with, maybe, you know, move them on to other competitors and, and this and that. But uh, I'm loving what's going on with Smash Wrestling and, and their uh, their championship right now. Yeah, and it's good to mix up uh, the titles uh, occasionally. Like, we did see Gargano and Dukes both have 430-plus-day championship reigns. And unfortunately, Tarek didn't make that record and has had it less than a year. But, you know, mixing it up a bit, especially when Smash Wrestling is on the road and active uh, more so 
now than they were at that time. And they, uh, well, as they said, when Dustin introduced the uh, shows this weekend, we were recording episodes 99, 100, 101, and 102 as part of the Northern Tournament, which, you know, to make it that far already on a regular basis for Smash Wrestling is great. And uh, Kevin Bennett has always had the heel heat, and fans were really uh, rightly pissed off of how the title switched hands because they love how Tarek won the title unexpectedly and now is uh, no longer champ to a guy who weaseled the belt the way he did, and it was perfect Kevin Bennett uh, style to do so. And so we'll see what happens with them going forward. And that, as I said, went to the Fatal 4-Way. Hold with, on. I, I, I want to get your thoughts oh, on something. Go ahead. So you get a guy from Toronto losing the championship to a guy from Buffalo, which is one thing. But And and like I said, you get the Smash Wrestling knowledge. Have you ever seen a reaction like that when Kevin Bennett won the championship? I'd, I'd never seen a Smash crowd boo and, and hiss and throw up their middle fingers as, as much as I did that night. That is true. Uh, they really ha- uh, brought out a lot of passion from that crowd, which I will say was bigger on Sunday than on Saturday. So it, uh, the second night of the tournament brought in more people and they were probably more the hardcore uh, Smash fans that were able to attend that night. And so, yeah, they really were able to invoke the uh, passion of the fans with that uh in my case, expected, but in some people's cases, unexpected uh, title change. Who was who was the guy that was on our team for the for the um, trivia? Uh, Chubbo is that his name? Steve. Yep. Yeah, he had his shirt on, and I don't know if anybody got a picture of it, but it was something like Kevin Bennett's a bitch, and yeah. <laughs> I'll Kevin never ben forget ain't nothing but a bitch. Yeah, and I'll never forget. So I'm on the hard camera side, like I'm pretty much sure if you said the hard camera taking all my my shots and. Um, uh, Chubbo there is on the right-hand side, so it'd be the left-hand side as they're coming out. And I'm just I'm watching everything that happened in the ring as you know Kevin Bennett's hoisting the championship and falling back, kind of party style into his posse and everything else. And then the just watching Chubbo just get so into it, just you know, it's um moments like that 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 I mean, if you're not a Smash Wrestling fan as of yet and you haven't seen anything that they've done. This might be that match that you should go out, check out, um, you know, watch. And 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 this match pretty much defines what Smash Wrestling is all about. Um, talented wrestlers, good wrestling, and then the whole big hype and, you know, the uh, the storyline um, surrounding this. But um, anyways, uh, yeah, but Chubbo's reaction to the whole, you know, the whole match was absolutely phenomenal. Like you just pay the money just to see <laughs> fans' reactions like that. Yeah, he's uh, one of their uh, top fans in that area, and uh, I talked to him outside of uh, the Franklin Horner uh, Community Center uh, on Saturday before you showed up and was talking about stuff, and uh, he actually is now part of the Scumbags Wrestling uh, page on our Facebook, so it doesn't matter if you're here from London, Toronto, you're a fan, we love you, and uh, great to have you uh, on board, Steve, and anybody else who wants to join us. The main event was the Fatal 4-Way Elimination. The winner of this match will challenge now Kevin Bennett for the championship at 
uh, Super Showdown 7 in August, and that had Eva Luno, Mike Bailey, uh, Jason Kincaid, and Tyson Dukes go at it. It was elimination style. It took a while before the first eliminations happened. Uh, there were some huge falls out of the ring between Kincaid and Bailey at one point where he heard a huge thud and people were like, oh, was that supposed to happen? And they were able to recover from all that. At one point, Dukes was on top of uh, Uno's shoulders in the corner and Bailey ended up getting into one corner. Kincaid went to the other and Bailey did a huge stomp onto Tyson's back, which put both uh, Uno and Tyson down. Tyson rolled off uh, Uno's shoulders and Bailey was able to get the victory over Uno at the same time that Kincaid came from the opposite corner and hit a splash on uh, Dukes. And no sooner did the ref count three on Uno, he moved over and counted three on Dukes. So the winner of last year's tournament was out. And so there was definitely going to be a new winner between either Bailey or Kincaid. But we had quick eliminations between the uh, two with Uno and Dukes, as opposed to prolonged and stretched out elimination. So it was like, bam, bam. And you never knew what was going to happen next. I think uh, Kincaid and Bailey went a good another 10, 15 minutes before uh, at the end, Mike Bailey did score the victory and is now the winner of the 2019 Northern Tournament, is set to face off against Kevin Bennett. Afterwards, Dukes came out and praised Bailey uh, for everything he did. He said he's the future, uh, looking forward to seeing what he has in store. And then he turned his attention to Kincaid. And even though Dukes has the issue going on with Mason, he also praised Kincaid and said that he was so impressed with them that he put out the challenge to Kincaid to face off against each other at Super Showdown as well. So that's another match that's uh, basically made. It hasn't been officially put up, I don't think, by uh, Alan Taylor yet, but it is bound to happen. And so we have two matches set for that. Your thoughts on how the tournament ended and what uh, we have to look forward to. So, yeah, a couple of things here. So, uh, number one, when you're talking about that that uh, move that uh, Bailey and Kincaid were performing, and all of a sudden, the I didn't get to see it because, like I said, I was right pretty much beside the hard camera. And the next thing you know, you just hear this thud. And it wasn't like a, a thud you hear from like a normal wrestling move. It was kind of like, oh, shit. And then next thing you know, the crowd completely went silent. Um, some of the staff for Smash Wrestling had gone up to just check on them. And, and all of a sudden, you know, I immediately kind of put my phone down and, and go and look. And they're both on the ground. And, you know, it's wrestling. It's it's entertainment. But at the same time, uh, it's the, you know, the moves are damaging. It's um, one of those things where all of a sudden it's like, um, you know, they're doing their best to, to entertain you. But the fact is that, you know, it's. Uh, one slip, especially, you know, being in the ring and, and you know, um, getting sweaty and everything else. And all of a sudden, and, and I, I, you know, for the first, one of the first real times I get to actually feel what the ropes felt like during the trivia thing. It's like, it's like a garden hose, you know, it's a bigger version of a garden hose. And you can imagine these guys, 
um, you know, uh, perspiration, everything else, and hitting these ropes, and all of a sudden they go to perform a move, and next thing you know, it it topples, and uh, you know, next thing you know, one of these guys get hurt, and that's what I thought it was. So when these guys were down for a good three, four minutes, and I'm talking Mike Bailey and Jason Kincaid and Tyson and uh, Uno were competing in the ring, I was thinking, okay, these guys are done. Like they've got to basically call an audible. And sure enough, they both get up. And, you know, uh, Bailey hits his, his stomp and Kincaid comes off the, the other turnbuckle on the opposite side of the ring. And it was, I was a little bit confused because I, I thought it was one fall to, uh, to a finish. So I thought that first, first guy to get the pinfall wins. So when Bailey hit the win, I was like, okay, well, that's it. Bailey's moving on. And all of a sudden, Kincaid flies off the top and then pins Tyson. And I was like, what the hell? And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. So fatal four-way. So next day I know... It's Kincaid and Bailey left in the ring, and the rest of the match was absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, you can go to uh, Sean's Facebook or eventually my Facebook and see uh, some of the moves that were performed. It's like, holy crap, like these guys are just phenomenal as far as wrestling three matches over. And and the amount of endurance that these guys have to be able to put on matches like this, you know, especially in the main event. So Speedball was exactly what his name is speedball like he was hitting moves left and right um it could have went either way as far as the finish went it was um a, a good you know a, a good way to end the tournament uh definitely agree with mike speedball bailey um getting the win it'll be interesting to see him against kevin bennett um whether or not the experience gets involved at super showdown we'll see one thing tyson come out and he's like one guy who's impressed me as far as this tournament goes i thought he was finally going to announce Carter, but it wasn't Carter. It ended up being Jason Kincaid. So complete contrast of styles between Tyson Dukes and Jason Kincaid. But um, as far as the two go, it's going to be an entertainment, uh, you know, probably a, a, a tough match between the two because Tyson's got to get hit with a lot of high flying moves, and Kincaid is, you know, is is going to get, be getting hit with a lot of old school kind of power moves. So uh, Super Showdown Seven, uh, two matches you said unofficially announced at this point. And one is, and one isn't, right? Correct. Yeah, so the one that is announced, um, I'm going to make a prediction here. Kevin Bennett stays champ. And as far as Tyson Dukes versus uh, Kincaid goes, I think, I it, you know, it's unofficial at this point, but I think Kincaid's going to get the best of Tyson Dukes if that match happens. So, uh, yeah, I say Tyson Dukes got to end up losing that Super Showdown 7. Interesting. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break and come back and review everything that's happening the rest of the summer with Smash Wrestling and the events, and then move on to um, New Japan, because they had the big show, Best of the Super Juniors, uh, that just finished up the other day. Scumbags Wrestling are always looking for ways of giving back to the community, and we're going to do just that with Ethan's Fight, happening on June 23rd at Montcalm Secondary School, Right here in London, Ontario. The card starts at 1 p.m. and goes till 4, with tickets starting at $10 for kids, $15 for general admission, and $20 for VIP. Ethan's Fight is a charity wrestling show to benefit Ethan Hayes. In January 2019, a cancerous mass was discovered in six-year-old Ethan's brain. He immediately had surgery at Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto to remove the mass and relieve the swelling caused by the buildup of cerebral spinal fluid. The eight-hour surgery removed most of the mass, but some elements were attached to his brainstem and could not be extracted. 
Along with the remnants of the tumor in his brain, cancer was also present throughout Ethan's spine. Luckily, he qualified for a study which would combat cancer with revolutionary form of proton radiation treatment only available at St. Jude's Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. The money raised will help alleviate the financial burden that Ethan's family will be facing during Ethan's upcoming chemotherapy at Sig Kids in Toronto. Ethan's mother has taken a one-year leave of absence from work for both her, her jobs to care for Ethan through all phases of his treatment. The main event is going to be a big one, with the first time ever meeting of Impact Wrestling and London's own Cody Deaner taking on the King of the North, Carter Mason, one of independent wrestling's hottest wrestlers who is having an astonishing comeback year. You won't want to miss this main event and all the other matches that are set to happen during Ethan's Fight, the charity wrestling event show happening at Montcalm Secondary School on June 23rd at 1 p.m. Check out Facebook for more information. Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October of 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learned all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra-large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. I'm Kyle Boone, one handsome SOB, and you're listening to the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. And we're back. So thank you for still staying with us. I can't believe it's another huge episode of our show, episode number 59, and it's going to be a big one with Smash Wrestling. Are you uh, kidding me? Already done. I know. Like, it's how already... long no, seriously, how long have you known me? Quite a while. When have you ever known me to shut up? I know, same here. Especially <laughs> when we can uh, actually have good banter. So this is going to be an, another probably two-part uh, episode and one dedicated to Smash Wrestling because we're just now hitting the calendar. But we, to be honest, we had two whole shows to review with 16 great matches, a trivia, everybody poops reading. How can you condense it any shorter than what we've done so far and have an in-depth conversation at the same time. Okay, first of all, it's wrestling, so it's never in-depth. Uh, secondly, thank God I'm not editing this because, you know, it's it's the editing process. It's so hard on a podcast sometimes, but uh, I, I think we're getting better at this. So, uh, yeah, good luck with editing in this one, too. Uh, I, I like this uh, casual banter that we have. There's going to be a couple parts that I need to cut out because of some silence, but, you know, us not knowing... And, quickly off the top of our head, some people's names. It's because we're so excited about what's going on and we forget these people. 
uh, okay. me. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say, so you can leave. You don't have to edit my part. My apologies to Jody Threat. Um, again, Gail Kim and Tessa Blanchard were on my mind, and and I, you know, but anyways, I will never forget the name of Jody Threat again. So if you don't want to edit, you can leave this apology in there. Exactly. So as I said, we're going to get onto the calendar quickly. Uh, July sixth, just had wrestling Franklin Horner Community Center. It's the uh, semifinals of the Invitational Tag Team Tournament involving five other companies. Uh, we definitely know that Super Reversos, Super K and El Reverso, are going to take on Kill Screen. Uh, one of the matches, we're still waiting to find out what else is coming from the other organizations to help form the rest of this tournament. It's also going to be a match with Sean Spears, formerly Ty Dillinger. And then the next night, July 7th, right here in London, it's 10-10-10. And uh, they've been actually busy working on making a bunch of announcements for today involving 10-10-10 as opposed to just add wrestling. And it's huge for us here in London because we know that there's going to be a huge match with the Ontario Four Horsemen in a tag team. Derek Wilde is coming out of uh, retirement uh, for this night to team with Tyson Dukes to take on the team of Ty Dillinger, or sorry, Sean Spears and Cody Diener. So the Ontario Four Horsemen are going to be in the ring together one night, tag teaming it up against each other. Your thoughts on that quickly before I uh, mention what else is happening on that card. Well, I've been swearing this whole entire podcast, so I was at work, and all of a sudden, I'm, I think I'm on break or lunch, and I'm going through Facebook, and I see the post that Smash has posted something new in the 101010 event, so I go and look, and I see the image, and I'm like, okay, well, they're all going to be there, and now all of a sudden, I realize they're all in a tag team match. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And it's one of those things that, um, I mean, I've, I've had the honor to see all four of these guys wrestle live, um, not like this, not in a tag team match like this, so... Uh, to anybody out there that is looking to get an idea of what Ontario independent wrestling is all about, that match right there is what it's all about. I've seen every one of these guys in different gimmicks. I've seen them all as far as, um, you know, growing, so to speak. I think one of the first matches I saw in Ontario Indy was Cody Diener versus um, uh, Derek Wilde, and it was Danger Boy Derek Wilde, and he had... Um, Jennifer Blake with him as his valet manager, and it was against Cody Steele, and that was in uh, a P- for, so PWX back in like the early, so it was probably mid-2000s in Tilsonburg. Um, probably the same event I got to meet Jay Smith at for the very first time, but um, these guys have been around a while, and, uh, and to me, as far as a Canadian independent wrestling fan goes, that is bucket list right there. That is probably, I don't care who else is on the card that night, um, you know, you could throw an Ultimate Dragon on that one as well. And I would say that that Ultimate Dragon match would be second compared to that tag team match. So, um, you know, it's only, what it, what is it today? June 6th. So we're about a month away. Yep. And I'm already marking out for that match. And uh, just four local boys, you know, and it's, uh, but it's, it's, it's an amazing. It's, it's amazing to me as a wrestling fan for Smash to be putting and presenting something like this to 
the hardcore fans in the area. So I just want to say thank you, Smash Wrestling, for that. Yeah. Um, also happening on that card is going to be a gauntlet match. And it's going to uh, include Maritime's Marcus Burke, the main show uh, debut of Pharaoh Bowman. He's uh, part of the Wrestling Factory. The return of Jody Threat, plus Jim Strider, Alec Realm, Chris Mitchells, and both uh, members of Physical Attraction, The Muscle, and Violet Lee. There's going to be the uh, championship on the line as Kevin Bennett defends against Psycho Mike Rollins and uh, Cody Blade. He is uh, Little Bay, a wrestler, rapper from the Maritimes as well. And so there's already three matches signed uh, coming up, and we're, as you said, a month away. The official announcement, though, as you uh, mentioned, from Smash Wrestling uh, involving the Ontario Four Horsemen comes as follows. Huge match announcement. These four men have been so important in the history of wrestling in London, and we couldn't be more thrilled to get them in the ring, I mean, all in the same ring. Sean Spears, known to many as Ty Dillinger, returns home to London to team with Cody Diener to take on Tyson Dukes and special return of Derek Wilde. These four best friends will be together in a match for one last time as part of Spears' homecoming. This is going to be something special, and you can get your tickets by going to smash-wrestling.com, and that is July 7th at the London Music Hall, part of 10-10-10. Then we move on to... Uh, uh, oh, Dresden is going to be uh, hosting a show on July 13th. Uh, last year, uh, they had a show, a charity event in honor of the Dresden Junior Kings. Jay Smith helped set that up. We have tickets available. Please contact me if you want to be a part of this and support them. We love uh, reaching out to different charities and supporting that. And you can join us. Contact me. Wrestling at gmail.com or on our Facebook page. We get some VIP seats available and you don't want to miss out on that. It's always uh, fun when, especially the cameras for uh, the Fight Network are not going to be there. So you never know what could happen. And uh, it's still going to be uh, really fan, fan and family friendly. July 21st, New Kids on the Block, Smash Wrestling returns to the Tannery Event Center in Kitchener, Ontario. Uh, Kitchener fans have always been really passionate. They're the third home, uh, especially for TV, for Smash Wrestling, and you don't want to miss out on that. Then we hit August, and wow, SummerSlam weekend, Smash Wrestling, with their partnership with other organizations, is going to be hugely strong during that weekend with four shows, or, sorry, eight shows in four days, all happening at the Midtown Event Theater. It starts off on August 7th with uh, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment, OWE. We saw them part of uh, AEW's Double or Nothing. They're going to have a show at 4 p.m. Smash Wrestling versus Progress is happening August 7th at 8 p.m. August 8th at 4 p.m., WXW has Ambition 11. Later on that night, Progress Wrestling has a show at 8 p.m. August 9th, WXW 
has uh, a live event at Midtown uh, Theater. And at that same time, later on that night at 8 p.m., as we've been mentioning numerous times, Super Showdown 7, and we know that those two matches, especially Mike Bailey uh, challenging Kevin Bennett for the Smash Wrestling Championship, is going to happen. Then, on August 10th, the Summit Women's Pro Wrestling event, it's all women from Smash Wrestling, Shimmer, Femme Fatales, and Rise. We know that it's going to be the first ever crowning of the Smash Wrestling Women's Championship with Casey Spinelli against Rosemary. There's going to be Allison Kay. Uh, there's going to be Shotzi Blackheart. Lufisto's uh, going to be there. All the titles from all four organizations are going to be on the line that day. Huge event. And that happens at 9 a.m. Um, but I think there's actually the event doesn't start till 11. I saw there's an advertisement that Bull Nicano is coming to that event to do a meet and greet plus run a seminar for the ladies. So that's huge. She's totally changed since we saw her uh, with Alunder Blaze. Definitely dropped size, and you wouldn't recognize her to see her unless you Google her. So that's going to be huge for the ladies that day. Also August 10th, OWE is an event at 3 p.m. Still giving you time to possibly go to Access and NXT Toronto. So August 10th, you would have a chance to see three shows all in one day. And then August 24th, Born to be Wild, Smash TV tapings here in London, and that's going to feature Gail Kim. Chris, what's your thought on all this events that's happening between now and August 24th? Uh, there should be like three or four of me so I can attend every single show I want to. Um, I know right now I've got six different events that I'll be – I can't say that I'll be going to. I've got six different events that I've got tickets lined up for. Um, the unfortunate part about that is I'm going to only get to go to five shows in four days at this point. And I shouldn't say unfortunate because I'm lucky as a fan to be two hours away from Toronto, which is absolutely amazing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's as a wrestling fan, you know, in, in the month of August, you can't not go to an event in the Toronto area and not get your money's worth. I mean, uh, Sean mentioned a whole bunch of promotions and this and that, but, um, I mean, union uh, professional wrestling, uh, the union independent professional wrestlers uh, hosted by Anthony Kingdom James has taken place. Uh, Destiny Wrestling has a show. Uh, you know, you talk about OWE, Smash Wrestling, uh, WWE, uh, Ring of Honor, Ju uh, New Japan, every one of those promotions is going to have a show in the Toronto area within a matter of days. Um, Sean mentioned Bull Nakano coming in, which I didn't know about that, which is absolutely huge. And that's part of the, summits, uh, the summit on August 10th. You've also got Mercedes uh, Martinez, Nicole Savoy, Nicole Matthews, Rosemary, Casey Spinelli, Zoe Lucas, Ariel Monroe, Priscilla Kelly, uh, Shotzi Blackheart, Lufisto, Jordan Grace, and of course announced today was Allison Kay. So it's that event alone, just the summit alone is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Um, as a wrestling fan, it sucks. Sometimes you have to pick one show over the other, and I'm having a hard time right now, <laughs> to be honest, between the Smash Wrestling show, uh, Super Showdown 7, and the New Japan uh, ROH show taking place. 
Main reason being is because I love New Japan Pro Wrestling. It is my pride and joy as far as wrestling promotions go in this entire world. Um, and then they announced because of the affiliations that they have that the NWA World Heavyweight Championship is going to be defended on the show taking place the same day as Super Showdown 7. So it's it's basically it's a teeter-totter right now, and I'm not sure which to go to. But you mentioned the fact Mike Speedball Bailey taking on Kevin Bennett and Tyson Dukes taking on Jason Kincaid. And it's it's tough as a wrestling fan, and you know it's it's also the the you know the, the fact is it's it's costly, you know. But um, if you want to get your money's worth and you want to get your fix as far as a wrestling fan coming up this August, I mean, there's there's not a reason or in the world that you can make to say, hey, you know, um, I, I don't know if I can go, or hey, I don't know, you know, if if any of these shows are going to interest me because that's absolute bs if you want to go make the time hit a go train or via rail or whatever the case may be and just get there i mean i know myself and and sean included i, I think sean you're you're hardcore as far as uh, super showdown seven goes right exactly i uh booked off uh time from work i'm just now trying to figure out my hotel accommodations because my wife wants to come up uh, with me, not go to the wrestling, but she wants to come up that weekend as well. Uh, but I plan on being up in time for uh, Super Showdown. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I'm blessed with the fact I've got in-laws in Toronto, so I've got a place to stay. Um, but in saying that, um, I mean, I get to enjoy shows. With me, it's more about trying to figure out transportation, how to get from one show to another, whether or not do I have to hotel in the city because of the fact the summit takes place so early the following day, um, you know, uh, you know, past, uh, I think summits on the Saturday and the, uh, uh, Friday night is, I think the Friday night is that that's the ROH, uh, slash, uh, super shut it seven, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. And then in between all that, I've got NXT takeover, SummerSlam progress wrestling. Um, and I believe there's one I'm forgetting as well, but, um, I don't. I'm, I'm. Yeah, WXW and OVE, uh, obviously, or OWE. Sorry, and uh, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, I went to two shows in two days as far as Smash Wrestling went this past weekend, and that was phenomenal and tiring all at the same time. You know, but um, as a wrestling fan and somebody who's been following this since the age of three, it's worth every single moment, every single penny. So, um, I challenge you as a wrestling fan to get to Toronto and. Uh, uh, make this happen for yourself because who knows when it's going to happen again. Yeah, I think uh, I know a bunch of guys who are going to be there, including, uh, I believe, Trevor from the Wrestling Nerds. He's going to be uh, hitting up, uh, I believe, NXT and SummerSlam. Also, uh, Conrad Cushman from uh, our friends over at his podcast, Everything Pro Wrestling. He's going to be coming from Buffalo and uh, New York area for that, and we're going to meet up with him. Uh, briefly just to say hi join up podcasts uh, maybe briefly for a couple seconds and uh, yeah just share some love that way for wrestling I was gonna say, how, cool, how cool would that would be to get um, you know every single local guy into say one restaurant or one bar or whatever the case may be uh, just to do almost like an audio podcast just as far as the experience goes for that weekend it would be amazing. I'm, we'll have to see uh, if fates align and uh, we can pull something like that off. Um, so that's the uh, Smash Wrestling calendar that's coming up over the next uh, while between now and August 24th. Uh, 
before we wrap up this pod, uh, part of the podcast, uh, this part of it, which is really long and about Smash Wrestling, a um, couple of injury updates. Kevin Blackwood, uh, I saw recently uh, this past weekend, uh, he's on the road uh, traveling at least, which is amazing. He's starting to take bookings as of July 12th, so there's a possibility he could be at Smash uh, also during those August shows. And the big news also is that Daniel Garcia has put out an amazing video hyping up his return. He's available for bookings, and he's going to be doing a show in Ottawa for C4, and so he'll be available to soon come back to Smash Wrestling. But unfortunately, we did get an announcement from Shiloh from the Wrestling Factory that unfortunately she uh, damaged her ACL and is going to be out for about a year. Uh, however, she's had a lot of uh, people comment on that post, encourage her to uh, keep her chin up and focus on her return, but make sure that she's healthy before rushing back. And I believe she has a huge, great support system from all her uh, friends, family, fans, and the factory. So there's no doubt that Shiloh's going to come back really strong and uh, continue her uh, upstart career. So we wish her the best in her rehab uh, right from the start. And your thoughts quickly on those three people before we end this podcast. Yeah, so as far as the Buffalo Brothers go, you know, thank you that they're back. And I told Puff that um, I bought one of his uh, cozies this past weekend. And, um, you know, I, I... you know, it was basically it's it's as a wrestling fan, just grateful just to see him in front of me again. Um, can't wait to see them all back in the ring. I'd love to see the four of them get together as a group and just demolish Smash Wrestling in the Ontario independent wrestling scene. But um, fortunately, I'm not the booker, but uh, I'd love to see it happen. Uh, Daniel Garcia, you mentioned, is uh, officially taking bookings again. So, um, ironically enough, you've got uh, C4, which is Capital City Combat champ what i always get the name confused that's why they call it c4 anyways whatever the case may be it's taking place in ottawa on uh june 21st and daniel garcia is actually facing Stu grayson so it's uh i mean talk about tough challenge to begin with i mean that's uh that's absolutely amazing amazing right there uh as far as shallow goes gets well soon um tough part about being uh indie wrestler or wrestler in general is the fact is uh, you know with every bump comes the potential of an injury. Um, you know, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. And, uh, you know, she's definitely got huge potential because I've seen her watch the matches after her match has been done. Same way Violet Lee was. So it's, uh, you know, get well soon and uh, hope to see you back in the ring sometime uh, very, very soon. Excellent. So uh, thank you for being part of this. We've gone on a really long time about Smash Wrestling and it's no complaints at all about it. We're going to end this podcast. And uh, hopefully, unfortunately, we're not going to get our predictions in on time for uh, Super Showdown, but you'll hear our predictions uh, later on this uh, weekend uh, on part two of episode 59. And remember to subscribe on whatever platform you have and join us on Facebook. Thank you, Chris. We'll talk in just a couple minutes. The Signature Spot with Chris Toplack is a weekly podcast available every Thursday that covers the world of professional wrestling. It's an easy-to-digest show that ranges from 30 to 40 minutes in length and focuses on show recaps, highlights from the week, 
industry news and rumors, full event previews along with predictions, topics of the week, and featured guests such as journalists and fellow podcasters. It's a professional yet personable show that's all about connecting with you. To subscribe, head over to youtube.com forward slash the signature spot or listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available. And to be a part of the conversation, like the signature spot on Facebook. Hey, I'm Alec Realm, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Yeah. 